You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast, and I'm Adam Rappaport. All right, this week, we have on the newest member of the BA Test Kitchen, Sola L. Whaley, and she's talking about her recent and most excellent recipe for chicken biryani. It's based on her mom's recipe, and it took, let's just say, quite a bit of evolving and developing to get it to the finish line, but it is amazing, and you should definitely make it. After that, associate editor Hillary Cadigan chats with Donnie Sirisavath, uh, chef and owner of Cow Noodle Shop in Dallas, uh, our number two best new restaurant in America, which we announced in our Hot 10 issue back in October. Donnie's late mother taught him how to run a restaurant and cook the ocean food, and despite the fact that he took a very roundabout road to get there, he's now doing something very special. All right, let's do this. Solo, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. But you just took your headphones off. It, it was uh, it was just so many voices, like hearing my own voice on top of my voice. There's literally voices in your head. Too many. There's already enough. I don't need any more. All right, your first time on the pod, uh, mm-hmm. talking about a recipe that I personally am very excited about. And I think a lot of people on staff are. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna pronounce it because I've heard you say it so many times in the test kitchen. Every time I'm like, I'm saying it wrong. I think I'm saying it wrong. You, you're saying it wrong. I'm pro- pretty sure I'm saying it wrong. All right, go ahead. I say biryani. No, you didn't say it like that. Bir- biryani. Biryani. I always, I just say biryani instead of biryani. I think it's supposed to be biryani, but I just. How does your mom say it? I don't know. All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to FaceTime her. Okay. So this is one of those recipes um, that there are certain recipes that are being developed in the test kitchen that when they come out for a presentation, people are like, ooh, what's going on there? I feel like every time you brought the big pot out of the oven and took the lid off, it sort of seized everybody's attention. Yeah, I guess it's it's a very dramatic dish and it does look like just a mountain. It looks like a literal mountain of food. So that gets your attention. I remember the first time you actually took it out of the pot and plated it, we're like, wait, all of that rice and chicken and potato, all that stuff was in that one pot? Yeah, it feels like the Mary Poppins bag trick where just things keep coming out. And we're like, oh, there's pineapple in there. Because you're like, oh, my gosh. So, all right, so talk, talk, talk us through it in terms of wh- it was an interesting evolution about where this recipe started and then where ultimately you ended up when it was ready for publication. Uh, well, I didn't want to make this recipe at all. <laughs> you're not supposed to tell them. The oh, listeners well. that. No, go ahead. I guess... Molly overheard me talking about my mom's lamb biryani, and so she, her and Sasha kind of ganged up on me from both sides. Wow. <laughs> Tough place to work. <laughs> you know? Was, so Sasha's our, uh, the editor of bonappetit.com, so she's like, uh, she's the one who's responsible for making the lineups and everything. And yeah, so between the editorial and the test kitchen, both telling me to make this, I guess I had to. I told, I warned them from the beginning that it's really hard, and it's one of those recipes where it, no matter how good the recipe's written, it just takes practice. Yeah. Um, so that's that kind of recipe is always scary to put out because no matter what you do, it could still get messed up when people make it at home. Well, I think what's interesting about this recipe is, and we will get to where we'll get to the finish line, but even the recipe as is for chicken thigh biryani, not lamb. There's not that many ingredients, but there's a lot of sort of nuanced technique that you write about in the step-by-step, and I think Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's well done, but yeah. So you started with lamb, but that's not where we ended up. What happened? Well, I felt like lamb would be too hard, first of all, because it's just starting with getting the lamb is difficult, 
um, it's going to require you to go to the butcher and ask them to cut it for you a specific way. Um, it's, Is it lamb shoulder? Or? It's, it's lamb leg cut into, okay. bone-in lamb leg cut into two-inch pieces with the bone-in, which is oh. an unfamiliar cut. So every time I go to the butcher, it's a little bit of a challenge just to get them to cut it for me correctly. And then they usually cut it too small. So if you, if you get unlucky and you get pieces that are too small, they'll overcook. Yeah. You know, it's hard to write a recipe for a cut of meat that you have to, like, ask people to go out and seek out. <clears throat> so that that's step one that's hard. <laughs> Already first barrier to entry. And then after that, um, you have to brine the lamb before cooking it. And then also it cooks for much longer. So there's just a lot of areas in the cook time where you can mess it up. Because it's kind of a one and done thing. Like, you, you can't go back and fix it. Yeah, but I think this is I think this is helpful in terms of how the test kitchen works. And that one thing I so often talk to the test kitchen editors about is how do we make a dish cookable for the home cook? How do we make it something that that not only do they want to make but they can make? So sometimes mm-hmm. you have to go through that process before you even start developing. Yeah, yeah, that's why switching to chicken thighs felt like right off the bat that makes it just so much more accessible to people. That's a cut of meat that you can find anywhere and buy a pack at the grocery store come home start cooking. and then you can start cooking so yeah. did you it was it a one-to-one substitution what was the first iteration of the recipe like using chicken instead of lamb well the first iteration i did i just took the my mom's exact recipe and tried it with chicken and it was terrible just like literally terrible it was so bad like you should have seen chris's face when he tasted <laughs> it he was so confused by what this horrible thing like, why so bad? What, well, what went it, wrong? The lamb one has a lot of strong spices because the lamb can take it. So it has mace, nutmeg, um, kubeb pepper, shad, jira, like black cumin, all of these really, really powerful things. All spice, star anise, and it just kind of punches you in the face when it's on chicken. Yeah. Um, like, lamb is such a hearty, aggressive flavor, but then chicken's yeah. recessive. Yeah. So I had to completely rethink the spice blend. So, for chicken. Okay, so that's your first year. Like, all right, chicken spices aren't working. So, mm-hmm. what did you then? How? What happened then? You were like, okay, what am I well, going to get to? There were a lot of versions of this, and then I just kept tweaking the spice blend to keep in the same family of my mom's lamb one, and I just wanted to like pay respect to that. So I kept tweaking and tweaking, and no matter what I did, it was just bad. And then, like, how many iterations are we talking here? I feel like I can't tell you because Marty's going to get mad at me for spending too much money on chicken. <laughs> Marty, Marty is Cristina Martinez, our uh, director of operations, a.k.a. Uh, yeah, she, she keeps the books and she keeps the books tightly. Keeps the trains running. We'll say multiple. 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 Um, but then finally, like, I was just getting really sad and Chris told me to just just go let loose, be free, and just like start over and make my own. I like stop trying to mimic my mom's and just like, you know, yeah. find my own beer on his Time to leave home. <laughs> Time to spread your wings. Spread my leave wings. And, and then I decided to go with um, my mom's korma spices. Her korma chicken is my favorite chicken recipe. So I guess I didn't totally find my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> you said you, yeah, you stayed home, but you moved into a different bedroom. Yeah, I'm in the basement now, I guess. <laughs> All grown up in the basement. Um, so what's it? Yeah. So how different? What's it? What's so what's that seasoning process? That so korma is one of the most like simple chicken recipes. I feel like it's the chicken you most have often have growing up if you're desi, um, and it's just like a few warm spices: cinnamon, cardamom, black pepper. That's it. And you're marinating the chicken. Marinate the chicken in yogurt, those spices, 
um, a little ginger and garlic, and that's it. And then you normally, for a korma, would stew that all together. But instead of that, I just put that marinated chicken at the bottom of the pot and then layered. Question, before we get to the pot, you you removed the skin from the thighs. Is that because it was just yeah. get all kind of flabby if it was Yeah, raising? all of those, um, traditionally those stewed chicken dishes have the skin removed. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I have to bring up the potatoes. Oh, I forgot about the potatoes. Oh, yeah. that was so bad. They didn't, make, they didn't make the cut either. What happened no. with the potatoes? Because the original dish is lamb, potatoes, rice, nuts, some dried fruit, etc. Yeah. Potatoes got left on the wayside. Yeah, so the potatoes was really challenging. So my mom's lamb biryani has a layer of potatoes between the lamb and rice. And somehow when it all steams together, the potatoes like perfectly fluffy. And she told me that she just like kind of lightly sears the potato before putting it in the pot, not cooking it all the way through, just like par cooking. And then it all steams together. And she made it sound so simple. But it was really difficult because if you overcook it, it turns into mush. And then if you undercook it, it's raw. And I just thought like... I stopped by during one of the undercooked You had one sessions. of the raw potatoes. And yeah. even sometimes I had in one pot an overcooked and an undercooked potato. So... For her to get the lamb at the right doneness and the potatoes and the rice. And the rice, yeah. Sorry. So you're like, you know what? No lamb, no potatoes, sub it in chicken, marinate the chicken, some spices and yogurt. Pretty simple so far. Mm-hmm. What's the, are you ready to start cooking? How, do you overnight marinate? Does it matter? Overnight right. is best, yeah. Okay, so you have a, you have a, what you did in just a basic Dutch oven, nice big round one. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what's, what's the first step when you're ready to start cooking? Your chicken is marinated, yep. right? And now you have to parboil your rice. This is probably the most important part because the only constant in any biryani recipe is the rice. You and Andy Bergani <laughs> would say that you should buy good basmati rice. Oh, and there right. is a difference between just the random <laughs> stuff you get at your local grocery store and like the good stuff. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Just like with the lamb, it starts with sourcing. Finding really good basmati rice is very hard in America. It's there's a lot of weird stuff in the grocery stores like jasmati. Yeah, there's all the texamati. Texamati. Um, none of those things will work. Uh, you have to get like a really good extra long aged basmati. Yeah, so when they're aged, you said the color, it's going to look more golden than mm-hmm. white. Yeah, when it's aged, it does, the color changes. It's like deeper in hue, but more importantly, the aroma is much stronger. Like you don't mm-hmm. get that characteristic nutty basmati aroma unless it's aged. And then it's very forgiving when you cook it up. It can withstand the long cook time of birani. Like you could steam it for 45 minutes or four hours and it'll still be like fluffy, wow. distinct grains. It maintains like a nice bite. When I tested with just your regular unaged basmati, I also tried it with the jasmati. The With the jasmati, first of all, it was crazy because the rice looked like it exploded <laughs> when I opened up the pot. It overcooked so much that it turned inside out. Wow. And then the all of the other like standard unaged basmati would break just into little pieces. So all of your hard work feels like, oh, I just made a porridge. Why? So do uh, so you are you saying I have to get the if where do I get the good stuff? Like, the good stuff, it? yeah. You're gonna have to go to a local like Indian store okay. or Amazon. Do you do I do I need like a password to the guy behind the counter and be like, Hey man, I just want you come on, come on, give me, just, give just me the good ask stuff. them for birani rice. <laughs> okay. They'll so know. I, yeah. They'll know. If they'll, you tell they'll, them okay, birani, the they'll stuff. like Okay, so you get the pot, so you're sauteing onions? Well, you start by frying uh, red onion and ghee. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, it's shallots, but we thought red onions are easier to find. Sure. Um, and uh, you fry it until they're like crispy. Yep. It's going to be a crispy topping, but then you're also flavoring the ghee. 
Oh, nice. Cool. So, um, slotted spoon, take those out. Then you throw in a bunch of pistachios. Mm-hmm. Or whatever nut you have. Or not. And, yeah. th- and you get those going, and then mm-hmm. th- you take those out because those are going to be toppings later, right? Well, I used them as toppings to keep them nice and crunchy, but mm. traditionally it actually gets layered in the pot as well. Okay. But nobody likes that. <laughs> it's just like you get a wet nut. If you ask for an opinion in the VA test kitchen, you will get an opinion or five. But it was a good point. Like, why yeah. do you want a wet nut? I that does not sound very enticing. No, no. no. Okay, so you got the key. <laughs> There's been nuts in there. There's been shallots or red onions. Yeah. So the key already tastes delicious. All You've right. got this really good fragrant. flavor base. Yeah. So fragrant. Um, and then um, I sprinkle in a little sugar. And get it caramelized. Mm. Uh, Korma always has a little bit of sweetness. um, And it also gives the chicken a nice color so it's not just pale. Yeah. So that goes until it's very dark, actually, like smoking. Then I throw in the chicken, scrape in all the marinade, bring it to a simmer, and it's time to start layering. So at that point, I sprinkle on some of those frizzled onions, um, some dried fruit. I like to use prunes, but you can use whatever you want, really. Apricots or something. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And then goes on the parboiled rice. And the parboil. So back to that, you're essentially you're rinsing the rice, soaking. We we have to talk about the rice. <laughs> I feel like I'm on an Andy Bergotti podcast. All right, so, so you, you you soak the rice in a so, bowl, so until the water's not cloudy, essentially. Well, you want to rinse it. I like yeah. to rinse it not under a colander, but in a bowl, because yep. you really want to swish. I, do that. I learned that from Andy. Swish, yep. swish, swish. Drain, scrub do off it again. all that. Yeah. Um, good aged basmati will run clear pretty quickly, like okay. after the second rinse. But the the really bad stuff, you can rinse it forever and it'll be cloudy. Oy. I, I know. If I have time, I like to soak it. Soaking the rice for an hour or two hours helps it cook more evenly. And it oh. prevents the grains from breaking because it's kind of, you're like easing it into hydration. Like soaking beans and stuff? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, so yeah. you do that and then you parboil it in salted water? Yes, yeah, like so you want to get like water, really like pasta style. raging boil of salted water, nice. heavily salted. Um, pour all the rice in at once, and it's going to all sink to the bottom. Um, so you want to give it a quick stir so it doesn't stick. And then you just have to stand there and stare at it. Because the time it takes to parboil can be very like Yeah, you said wide. three to seven minutes, which is a pretty big window. So it's how a do very you, big window. What am I looking for to know that it's parboiled? Well, a lot like al dente pasta, you want to bite into it and still see the hard white core. Oh, so I'm like taking little grains out, biting into it. I just stand over and I just bite a grain every minute okay. <laughs> until and- until you get there. You want it to like break easily, but still have a little bit in the core. The rice is going to double in size essentially, and and it kind of all rushes to the top. Okay, so after about five minutes, you're draining that, mm-hmm. and then you're layering that over the chicken slash frizzled onion slash dried fruit. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. that top base of rice, and then you do an interesting trick. I do. You do with like the, you're poking the oh, holes. Oh right, and then the you rice. poke holes. <laughs> you know the recipe better than me. I read the recipe. I know. Well, I have to do that. <laughs> got to read. Got to do my homework. Yeah, you poke holes to like allow the so the curry underneath is going to start simmering, and the steam that creates is going to cook the rice. Okay, and so you just do like a like a long wooden spoon or something. Wooden spoon, yeah. finger, whatever yeah. you want. Um, and then cover the pot. Are we at cover the pot yet? Yeah, yeah, sure. So you start starts to simmer. Yeah, you wanna you wanna gurgles. So, it gurgles. Yeah. Well, normally normally they actually use a thin aluminum pot, and you have to seal the top with dough. Mm. But because we're doing it in a Dutch oven, which is so heavyweight, and like you put that lid on, and everything stays in. Yep. So um, you cover the pot, and then you wanna put it over like medium high heat until it starts to simmer. 
You'll you'll hear it. You'll hear little bubbles. You'll see some steam coming out. You, you pop it in the oven and it goes. Three fifty. Three fifty. You bake for forty five minutes, covered. Bake it for forty five. Let it rest for at least fifteen minutes or up to an hour. Then yes. You get your tada moment. We go. Do um, take the mm-hmm. top off mm-hmm. and it's like it smells unbelievable. Every, yeah. You have to. It's like a very the most important part is like being patient and not opening that lid yeah like once you close it after the first time you put that lid on you can't open it again and so when you're letting it rest you're letting it rest with the cover rest on. covered yeah it's gonna finish cooking and rest so it's like really important to just don't touch it so you like to <laughs> plate it all together on one giant platter take it out all out of the dutch oven mm-hmm. plate it rice on the bottom chicken on top does it matter? Yeah, well, yeah. Th- th- there is like the plating of it is also very traditional and important. Um, uh, when they do like the giant vats of birani, you actually use a big plate to plate, like use a big plate to scoop off the rice mm. gently and transfer it to a big platter. Um, and you want to do that without disturbing the second layer. Well, we only have two layers here, but imagine you have like eight. <laughs> eight. Okay, imagine yeah. if you have like eight so you're going layers. Layer you want to like take off one layer carefully. Gotcha. And then the next one. So then when you when you see the big pile, you can like see every distinct every, layer. Yeah. We just have two layers. It's not that difficult. But then, but but, but, you, <laughs> but you reserve those crunchy ghee toasted pistachios yes. to sprinkle. Yes, on top. that's the finishing touch. You save some of those um, onions we fried right at the beginning and top them off. Uh, Sola, thank you so much. Chicken thigh biryani. Mm-hmm. Biryani? Biryani? Uh, we better call your mom and find out. Yeah. You can find the recipe on bonappetit.com right now. Thanks so much, Sola. Thank you. Hi. I'm here today with Donnie Siri Savat of Cow Noodle Shop, our number two best new restaurant in America. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Were you expecting that to happen? Uh, no. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, is this a mistake? You guys made a mistake, right? <laughs> <laughs> Even after like the three hour interview and then like your publicist trying to ask me when it was getting published yeah. and I was like, oh, I don't know. What? Or what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's kind of pretty, pretty good at keeping their you know, <laughs> lips shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had the party this past weekend. Did you have a good time? Oh my God. We had an amazing time. The whole crew came down. Down, we should, you know, close up shop, you know, brought everybody down. Pretty much, uh, yeah, everybody. <laughs> How many people is that? 13 plus awesome. with our friends and family. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, you did it right. Yeah. What has been the, what's been sort of the fallout now that you've, I mean, you know, being <laughs> a best new restaurant is sort of, I mean, it's a blessing, but it's yeah. also a little bit of a curse. Yeah, it is. You know, like the whole thing was 50, you know, top city, the number t- num- number 10, and like, what? There's a number two? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Uh, like, yeah, so it's been a blessing for us, but, you know, Austin, it's a joke. You know, we're like, oh, man, we're dead. We're, di- we're dying over here. You know, like, this is too much for us. But we're like, look, we can either be in business or we can be out of business. It's like, do you guys want this or not? <laughs> yeah. So is it just, like, lines up? Because it's a very small restaurant. It's yes. Like in Dallas. You know, the first week, it literally was like two hour waits, oh my God. two two and a half sometimes, and people were standing there for two and a half hours. Yeah, but it was fun because you get to see people mingle because we not Ruby BYOB, so people are in line drinking, waiting, sharing <laughs> drinks. So like it, it was fun. So it's a party. That. Yeah, it was a party. Yeah, more like a celebration. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your restaurant for those people that who tragically have not been there yet. Definitely, our you now our restaurant is a small Laotian uh, cuisine. It's an uh, interpretation of what my mom taught me. You know, as growing up as a as a Lao, um, 
I guess Lao's kid, <laughs> Lao kid, <laughs> you know. Kid. So I'm a Lao kid, you know. I'm so <laughs> am, but you know, really, it was just sh- showcasing our culture, showcasing the food that my mom taught me, inspiration for her and for my travels, you know, just from through Southeast Asia as well. Noodle shops, you know, scratch news made in house. Um, everything is pretty much made in house. You know, mm-hmm. everything's crafted for, 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 I say our fans now. I guess you know, but yeah, everything's made with love and care. And everything is made from my own interpretation, what I've I've grown up eating. Yeah. And like I said, we're only, what, 28 seats, 25 seats inside. Now we have a patio, so it's tiny. Yeah. Real tiny. Yeah. So, like, every dish you know is getting, like, yeah. the full... And the thing touch. is, and the thing is, you know, everyone's like, it's a small portion tapa style, so it's you know where you can get the whole menu. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, what? We can get the whole menu? I was like, yeah, yeah. And, and you th- definitely should get the whole menu if you go there. Like definitely. even if you're alone, as I was, <laughs> order everything, everything, and then be like, is there any specials? Okay. Can you bring two of each? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the restaurant, you know, the story of Cow Noodle Shop kind of like dates back to like before you were even born. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and you've mentioned your mom already, but she's kind of this this. You know, she's not she's no longer with us, but she's this yeah. presence that's just there in everything that you do. Take us back to your mom's story. She was born in Laos and ended up in Thailand. I mean, I'll let you tell it. Yeah. So so my mom, you know, I call her Monk, which is the Laotian name for mom. So so my mom, you know, her inspiration and cooking came from her mom's v- wound. <laughs> I guess you could say, <laughs> you know, all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> No, so yeah, she was born and raised in uh, in uh, Laos when my grandfather's uh, French, and my gra- grandma's of course Laos. <laughs> like yeah, she hopefully she's slow ocean, right? <laughs> no, but yeah, so my mom grew up um, in uh, a little outside of Vinh which is the capital of Laos, and you know, for her growing up as a child, my great grandma really was the one that wasn't cooking at home, you know, care caregiver to her. And really, she just learned how to cook from my grandma and my, gr- and my great-grandma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when the communist, you know, party came about and, you know, really pushing out the royal family, um, that's when things happened in Laos where a lot of refugees escaped from Laos because of that. Prosecution, you know, if you're intelligent or your teacher, your engineer, pretty, pretty much they're like, look, with us or against us? Yeah. So my grandfather's like, he was a... a big figure in in his village at the time so he told my my grandma like look you need to take the kids and leave laos right now because if not they're either gonna capture you or maybe kill you so you know my mom being you know pretty much like pre, like a teenager you yeah. know she's she's like huh what's going on why do we have to leave and literally they left overnight from laos to escape to uh thailand they got on a boat um it was kind of, you know, kind of weird in a way because, you know, like, back in the days, like, there was no emails, there's no <laughs> phones. So, like, how you coordinate this escape? Right, yeah. Right? Just, like, get on this boat, Yeah. Get on this boat and leave. Yeah. Like, will we ever see you again? And my grandfather was like, I, I don't know. And Larry, my grandma came with her kids, and she had 11, 11 kids that she came with. Wow. Actually, one of uh, 12 and one actually passed away. Katamonia, uh. uh, you know, escaping through the jungle and onto uh, the Mekong River to Thailand. And he passed away in the refugee camp. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was sad. And, you know, I've, I've still to this day are starting to learn more about my mom's history and my yeah. dad's history. So I'm, I'm always continuing talking to my grandma. And sometimes, you know, she's she has dementia. So, you know, she's <laughs> like, this is this. Like, but she has so much uh, 
good stories and, and, and memories of what happened and you know all the old memories she remembers but all the recent memories she really doesn't remember mm, yeah mm-hmm. but yeah so you know hearing those stories has kind of inspired me to you know getting close with my culture getting get close with the food we do at at cow because that's a part of you know what my mom was my grandma my great-grandma and so it's like i don't want to lose that right so i want to keep that intact yeah and you said you know when your mom moved to texas which is where you were born um she was catering for a while right and then she was like and then she got the opportunity to take over a restaurant exactly it was a chinese restaurant first yeah rama garden yeah (laughs) yeah so why Chinese? Like uh, what? I, I think because, you know, like with her, just cooking at home was just her comfort and what she knew, you know, mm-hmm. cooking for friends and catering to different shops. And uh, I think her friend in San Antonio at the time was like, look, I, I, I love your food. You love cooking, right? So there's a, I think there's a friend of friend that owns a restaurant in, in San Antonio. Would you want to give it a try to open your own restaurant? And she's like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe. I don't know. And. Literally, I remember the trip, the car ride that we went from Amarillo to San Antonio just to go look at this restaurant. And this restaurant was massive. I'm like, what? <laughs> it looked like a play- playground, seriously, yeah. for, oh for me, being young. And she's like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and give it a try, you know. And she literally moved the whole family. My dad came, my brothers, and even her brothers and sister came down and to help out. And that restaurant literally had a dining area for about i want to say about 50 to 60 people oh my god then had a downstairs which was you know at the time smoking section right like, <laughs> right. You know, like what there's a smoking section <laughs> and, and smoky then and, Texas yeah, basement. yeah and then in the back was a big old party room i'm like oh my god this wow. thing's massive and you know just being that in that environment and being that kitchen see what my mom does it was you know it, I had fun and I your mom's it. just like yeah i've never run a restaurant before yeah. that, that sounds yeah. fun like yeah i'm about to run this you know <laughs> yeah, a couple hundred a night you know, a couple hundred a night yeah. restaurant like <laughs> golly you know it's <laughs> but the thing it was it was just in a bad location yeah oh yeah it was but at least she knew that's something that she wanted to do you mm-hmm. know if you know if you don't try it and you won't know it right so she gave it a try and she's like you know i kind of like this you know let's let's see what else is going on and and you know, unfortunately, we have to. I mean, she sold that restaurant off because mm-hmm. just the location wasn't that great. Plus, mm-hmm. it was Chinese food at the time. Right. Not her food. No. You know? There was a couple of Thai dishes, but not Thai dishes, right? Yeah. But she wanted to explore more Thai food because she loved Thai food. Because being in refugee camps, you know, experienced some of the Thai food as well. Being Thailand as well, and you know, she, you know, my mom just loved cooking. You know, mm-hmm. French food. She was some. Her French food is amazing. Yeah. You know, oh. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I can't compete that. <laughs> yeah. And She's I like, still anything can. you want, yeah. I can make it. So she that was not her last restaurant. Then no. she opened another restaurant. Yep. And then she opened another no restaurant. restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it took a couple of Chinese restaurants. Yeah, just know? a few Chinese restaurants under her belt. Yeah, and then you know, she got to the, yeah. the Thai then, restaurant. Yeah, she, then she got, and finally, you know, she, when I was four, no, 13 at a time, she finally um, found a restaurant that she knew that she can open up and introduce Thai food where it should be not your typical you know Thai food that you eat at most uh, restaurants because you know she studied Thai food like mm-hmm. she really you know flew to Thailand talked to my aunt that lived in Thailand and she was like look I love Pad Thai but I want to I'm, I really want to learn from the master right mm-hmm. in the time I could I cannot get her, I, I don't I don't remember her name the lady that does pad thai mm-hmm. but my mom's like this is the pad thai lady 
and I learned from her. I'm like, what? Yeah, where in Thailand? She went <laughs> all like, the way back to Thailand to meet yeah. this lady, like, right? What? She like, was is like, there such a thing? It's like, yeah. So the lady. you know, just learning, just just her inspiration about that. You know, learning something that she doesn't know, but going to the source mm-hmm. and going to the master of it. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. Like, and that's like yeah. incredibly revolutionary yeah. at that time too. Like, what yeah. what era was this? This was like it was. Oh my god. Early nineties. Yeah, ninety two. Yeah. Like early nineties. Yeah. 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 Like people weren't. Like the average, you know, white guy on the street didn't even know what pad thai <laughs> yeah, was like, beyond what? like, beyond like, you know, yeah. oh, that thing I got to take out yeah. that time. Yeah. So, you know, you know, like for, for her, that was her, her passion, her dream. I've eaten her food. Right? I've eaten Thai food. And I love her food. Her food was so amazing. But then I'm like, mom. Um, this is not the food that we eat at home, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what is this? You know, I don't, we don't eat like, pad siu at home and pad thai. Yeah. It's like, what were you eating at home? Lao food, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is totally different. You yeah, know? and because you know, Lao food is, is you know it's so vibrant, you know, with different herbs and different spices. You know, it's oh man, it's funky, it's unique. You know, we use all the animal mm-hmm. from you know when a lot of people say from you know it's not to tell. We use like more like the innards, you know, <laughs> offals, liver, way you know, beyond snout to tail, way beyond intestines, blood. <laughs> you know, like that's the thing about Lao food. It was it's funky, it's crazy, but it's adventurous but it's good it's delicious yeah and that's why i told my mom's like why don't you put a couple of things on the menu to see if people like it yeah she's like okay i'll you know put a sauce here and there and some sausages here and there and people like loved it really like, like right away yeah, right away yeah you know, like see this is like i love it because i eat this every day right it's like finally <laughs> yeah so now i get to eat at the restaurant too because yeah. i worked there you know helped her out after school so yeah, yeah. So what do you remember what the first Lao thing she put on the menu that it people was like, went nuts yeah. for was? Like her her gel, you know, gel makua, which is the eggplant gel, mm. you know, gel maclean, which is the tomato gels, then steak of rice, you know, sauces, saua, you know, and that's just like the staple of what Laotian food, papaya salad, tamahung, you know, like, and I think our tamahung is papaya salad, but spicy, funky, and yeah. people are like... I'm not sure if I'm ready for this funk, <laughs> but people enjoyed it. You yeah, know? And so that's the thing. It's like try it. Yeah, you know? exactly. You'll love the funk. Exactly, you love the <laughs> funk. <laughs> so you grew up working in your mom's restaurant, yep. and then you know at a certain point she was like, you were around 20 or so, yep. and she was like, all right, son, you can take over this restaurant. And what did you say? Yeah, I'm like, yes, I think it was, I think it was a birthday present, I, I believe. <laughs> Oh, no. I, maybe I tell this to myself. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, that's a gift. That's a big gift. I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, uh, yeah, but I don't want the restaurant. You know, like, <laughs> I've been in this restaurant, you know, since, you know, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the, the goods and the bad. Mm-hmm. And that's part reason why, you know, I told myself, like, I, I'm not going to be a restaurant owner. <laughs> yeah. Just to, you know, see the stress and see the struggles and see how much my mom put into the restaurant and and for her to be draining each and every single day she loved it she, don't get me wrong don't get me wrong she loved it but thing is it was so draining yeah it's hard to find people and especially the type of food that she's making mm-hmm. her intensity in the rest in the kitchen is like everyone's like terrified of her it's like <laughs> wow oh my god your mom's intense <laughs> like yeah even the bus boy was scared of my mom <laughs> like, but you know but thing is she she's passionate about her food and she's a perfect perfectionist mm-hmm. but you know for me it's like yeah i had to turn that down <laughs> you were like i don't want to own a restaurant yep. why would i ever want that for me <laughs> so tell us what'd you do instead and also was your mom just like cool i'll just yeah your mom <laughs> I, I i think my mom knew that it was going to be 
a lot. Yeah, so she knew it wasn't like a guarantee. Yeah, that it was not a guarantee, but she was like, yeah, you should take it. And I'm like, What's, why are you hesitating? <laughs> like, you should or I shouldn't. Yeah. But no, so I, yeah, I turned it down and I just kind of, you know, just trying to figure myself out. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I actually jumped out of like high school. I'm like, I'm, I'm done with school. I'm, yeah. I'm not my school guy. But, you know, my mom's like, you need to get something. Go back and get your diploma. I was like, oh, my God. So I went through high school, <laughs> got my diploma. Yeah, like, okay, maybe I'll try college. Uh, a couple of years in community college. Didn't like it. Yeah. And then my brother's like, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, uh, let's work. It's like, come work with me. I was like, okay, where? Fixing airplanes. Oh, cool. Really? Awesome. <laughs> like, heck yeah. You know, who Like who would turn that, that down? down? Yeah. So, so, yeah, I traveled. I got seen so many places and uh, and tried different foods as well, too, from working in that aviation job. Well, it was just tiring, traveling, you know, three months, six months at a time. Yeah. Didn't see friends and family, came back. But all my friends like, oh, my God, you're making so much money now, huh? And, you know, all my <laughs> friends still, like, struggling. And yeah. they're like, let's go to lunch. I got it. Like, yeah, exactly. They're I like, what, do you job. have a credit card? <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, because I'm an adult now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see? Yeah. <laughs> this is what adult is, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't go to school. <laughs> Drop out. Be like me. No, I'm kidding. Don't be like me. Yeah, that's not the lesson here, kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, just jumping around, corporate world aviation to you know i was a mail carrier for a little bit yeah you (laughs) You loved that right yeah you know being outside (laughs) but it was it was it was rough it's rough i could see why it's uh it's intense being a mailman and being outside yeah it's one of those jobs that seems like it could be the best job or the worst yeah but you give me different people so that's that's one good thing Mm -hmm. and then i gave that a try (laughs) for a little bit (laughs) then i jumped uh, into shipping receiving and then telecommunication where atlantic a good job at Samsung mm-hmm. and that was probably like my moment I'm like yeah this is it this is like my calling yeah <laughs> I thought yeah <laughs> but, you know but I loved it because you know just at the time technology was a thing right cell mm-hmm. phone was a thing mm-hmm. it's like oh that, we could text people we can email people <laughs> we can, like take <laughs> pictures on our phones like I want to be part of this movement yeah so I, I did that for a long time and you know we got laid off actually stayed here in Queens Jamaica Queens oh, actually nice. <laughs> for a little bit uh, for that for that job and Got tired of it, you know, mm-hmm. one of those things, and went back and just trying to figure myself out again. Yeah. You know, I love working on computers, so worked at uh, uh, HP was my last job. Oh, yeah. In the IT world. <laughs> yeah. And then at some point during this, your mom got sick. Yes. So, you know, kind of skip everything, and then to my mom getting sick, it was her trip from Thailand and Laos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was um, a trip that, you know, she's spent about three or four months there. I haven't seen him for a while. And she came back and it was one of my best friend's wedding. And he's like, you know, we went to his wedding in Tennessee. My mom's like, you look tired, mom's like, you're like, yeah, I'm a little tired. I'm just jet lagged. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't think anything of it. After the wedding, we drove back to uh, to Dallas and then she's starting to get yellow. I'm like, you kind of don't look right, mom. And Johnness came about her eyes was just yellow and we took her in get check up it took her like what three or four different times just to say okay you're yeah there's something going on mm-hmm. um so they literally just did some more testing and found out that she had a blockage in her bowel duct mm. I'm like whoa I was like is there such a thing yeah oh my god it was heartbreaking just hearing that and then you know it's like a we'll we'll go through chemotherapy we'll go to radiation mm-hmm. and then finally the oncologist like like this is a terminal cancer. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. It's like, and there's what? only 1,200 cases in the United States. 
I'm like, wow. I was like, you kidding me, right? And it was just heartbreaking. And my mom, I'm like, she's like, it's okay, guys. I'm here. I'm still alive. I'm like, hey, Larry, this is where I became that baby of the family, <laughs> the youngest child. I start crying and yeah. I just broke down. I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't accept it. I'm like, no, this is not. My mom's like indestructible. Yeah, she's amazing. She's yeah, lady badass lady. I'm like, she can run a restaurant by herself, mm-hmm. and this slow freaking cancer is going to take her away from me. I'm like, Ugh. oh man. So yeah, um, so literally, the doctor says she has about a year and a half to two years to live. So, you know, the first couple months were rough, and mm-hmm. then she, we told her stay with us, and she want to go back home to San Antonio. I was like, just stay with us. We we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. And you just, were in Dallas at yeah, the time. Yeah, Dallas at the time, uh, staying with us, just caring for her. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of, you know, kind of went downhill from there. So she wanted to go back to San Antonio where she, you know, her home is, uh, hospice care, you mm-hmm. know. And we're literally there. I took a leave of absence from my job, my brother as well, too. Mm-hmm. And just spend time with her. Um, spent pretty much almost a year with her. Yeah. That's... You know, back and forth from Dallas to San Antonio. And finally, the last, what, three, four months. We just all came down, just like literally, just stay in my own room, yeah, my own bedroom, yeah, and across from my mom, just you know, spend time talking to her, cooking with her, yeah. And those were the moments, like I, I, I wish, I wish that I had more time with her, yeah, doing that. But I'm glad I had those moments, yeah. And it sounded like, I mean, when we talked about this before, your mom kind of had a plan for when yeah. she was gonna have you come yeah. live with her and yeah. cook with her, yeah. She was like, you know, uh, that restaurant. <laughs> nah, you're taking it. <laughs> and you had kind of an epiphany yourself. Yeah, because you know, like for me, you know, it's like even though I'm, um, you know, worked in a corporate world and doing di- different jobs, you know, I enjoy cooking. Mm-hmm. I really did because it's just something that it was just natural to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what natural means, yeah. but you know, like it just came to me. It's like the, like I don't know. It's like just I eat something, I can taste different ingredients and dishes and my mom told me that Mm -hmm. so you have a gift it's like don't waste it do something you're passionate about something you're going to enjoy in life Mm -hmm. instead of wasting your time trying to collect that paycheck or trying to buy the newest car whatever (laughs) she's like i see you you're not happy i want you to be happy do something that you're you're gonna really wake up in the morning and be happy about Mm -hmm. and so you know for her you know those couple three months was just more of telling me and coaching me and you know not knowingly that she's planning something for me yeah <laughs> like you're about to own this restaurant <laughs> you just don't know it yet yeah. <laughs> but no literally she's yeah, she set me on the right path you mm-hmm. know and that's something that i knew one thing that if she could give to me that that was that one thing mm-hmm. to help me sh- show me the way to what really what it means to be me yeah which is in the kitchen cooking for other people yeah. And that's in a day. My mom wanted me to cook, be- cook for people, mm-hmm. and showcase my food to people and yeah. our culture and what she taught me. And that's ho- the whole reason why my mom like, look, come here. This is the last dish I'm gonna teach you how to make. And my wife was there, and she's like, yeah, sukiyaki. Okay, cool, sukiyaki. All right. And this is a painstaking dish. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's see was, his version of it. Yeah. It looks like this beautiful bird's nest with like <laughs> yep. this tiny little egg on top. Oh yeah, it's amazing. And that's the reason why I, I did that dish at the uh, Hot Tin. Mm-hmm. You know, and because was something that I remember, you know, I remember my mom with that last moment with her. Yeah. Making that sukiyaki dish. So yeah. Can you tell us about the dish? The sukiyaki dish. All right. <laughs> so 
the thing is sukiyaki it's not a laotian name right so mm-hmm. it's a japanese name yeah you know japanese colonized uh, laos as well um, back in the 30s 60s on you know ongoing but you know of course they brought their um, ingredients and some of their dishes to laos and sukiyaki is pretty much a a soup dish that we eat with a sauce for a fermented tofu sauce mm-hmm. you know tofu fermented anything is amazing right and yeah. then it's that funk Especially yes. tofu. The Ooh. funk. A lot of people are like, eh, it smells like socks. <laughs> but that's funky Delicious socks. Sock. Yeah, delicious <laughs> socks. But yeah, so, you know, that's the base of it. And mm-hmm. then you got your coconut cream that, you know, just mm-hmm. stirred in for hours. Yes. You know, tahini, sesame seed, peanuts. And that thing is just made with love. Yeah. Because why? Because you have to stir that dish like forever. <laughs> you better love it while you're stirring <laughs> yeah, that dish. Yeah, like, oh my God. Because my mom, my mom, you asked my, my wife, Noah, she's like, you told mom, she told her, like, you got to stand there and stir it. I'm like, what do you mean? Because that's the thing, that this dish it has some, so much components to it. It'll, it'll burn at the bottom of the pot. <laughs> and you, you literally had to cook down all the ingredients. Mm-hmm. You literally had to cook down all How many hours are we talking, stir wise? Oh my God, probably like two hours. Oh my God. <laughs> But Noy is here. Yeah. Noy, did you have to make this dish in front of his mom? <laughs> She's a stir queen. <laughs> She's a great stir. Yeah. No, but Euler, it's it's painstaking love. No, mm-hmm. but yeah, so it's it's a it's a good dish. You know, it's something that's delicious, funky in its own way. But you know, creaminess from you know coconut milk. Uh, it's just I don't know. It's for me, it's just delicious. Mm-hmm. You can eat it with anything. You know, yeah, like, that's a, that's that dish. You know, with a poached koi, glass noodles. You know, and usually it's served in a broth. Mm-hmm. But I made it without broth because I believe the whole thing about that dish is that sauce. Yeah. So that's the reason why I made it into a more dry noodle dish. Yeah. With sauce. God, I yeah. wish I was eating that sauce right now. <laughs> it's like, I know. Where's all that sauce yeah. left over from the Where's bed? the food? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Now that that's been described in yeah. great detail and all of you are probably wishing that you were in Dallas yeah. right now, yeah. which is also our city of the year. Oh, yeah, that's right. Huh? <laughs> yeah, mostly because of Donnie. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, Donnie, for coming here today. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to talk to you always. I would like to talk for several more hours, but I'm getting the sign that we need yeah. to wrap it up. You have a flight to catch. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) So thank you so much, and congratulations again. Number two best new restaurant, Cow Noodle Shop. Get there. Kop Chai. Thank you, guys. (laughs) The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wartsman, with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.